0: Hello everyone, welcome to the Lights Camera Action Movie Podcast. On today's show, we will be reviewing the Belco Experiment. This podcast contains spoilers and strong language. Listener discretion is advised. Well, hello everyone and welcome back to the Lights Camera Action Movie Podcast. It's been a while. I'm Mike yeah, Winkler. I'm Jason Kabosik, and yes, it has been a little while. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, I think our biggest problem was trying to find out what movie we really wanted to do. It was putting our mind on what we thought would be a fun movie to really dissect and go through.
1: Yeah, we were having debates as to whether or not we were going to start our uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, line of films...
0: Black Panther no, comes now. Out Friday. Or
1: if we were gonna end up waiting a little while before we did that and we ultimately decided to wait. So we're gonna do these fun little ones in the meantime and then trust me, you guys are gonna get berated with nothing more than Marvel movies. So yeah, I that's coming that. that's coming pretty quick.
0: It's coming up pretty fast. I can't believe Black Panther's actually coming out this weekend already.
1: Oh I know. Coming out so fast. But why don't we go ahead and get into the topic of the day?
0: Yeah, um, we are going to review the Belko experiment,
1: and who am I? This was your really typical, I guess, mind fuck of a horror flick. Yeah, and it wasn't bad. I will give it that, especially for a movie that had a budget of only like five million. Didn't do bad. Yeah, the movie was entertaining, nonetheless, and I, I've.
0: There's some enjoyment, there's some humor in this film. You know, it's it's a film you get to sit down, have fun with, laugh at, chuckle at the kills. It's not a movie you're going to take seriously, it's just not that kind of flick.
1: Well, I mean, most horror films you usually don't. No, I mean, that's true.
0: There's, there, I mean, I guess there's certain ones you could look at seriously, but a lot of them are just made up for fun. Well, yeah. Yeah, so, um... Okay, so, your overall opinion of this movie is... It's fairly decent, then. I mean...
1: It's fairly decent. It's one of the better ones that I've seen in a while. And mind you, I also haven't seen this uh, particular movie in a good while since the movie first came out. So a lot of this still felt new to me after the first time watching it again. Now, I have to ask you, too. I don't know if you knew this.
0: This movie was written by by James Gunn, who actually is the same guy that brought us, wrote and directed uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. And, um, I don't know if you ever saw the movie, uh, it's from maybe about five or six years ago, it's called Slither. It's kind of like a B movie. Oh, I loved Slither. Yeah, freaking,
1: and he did that movie too, as well. Oh, I mean, that just goes to show what kind of a writer that James Gunn is. He's versatile. He can do many different types of things. Exactly. Mm hmm So I find And this is exactly what you'd expect. It was a B movie. (laughs) Right. But it had its good moments.
0: Right, and and, and the, the, the blood, the gore, the everything in it was pretty top-notch for a B-movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, but, alright, so let's go ahead and dive into this. Okay, so,
0: the movie starts out interesting, we start in Columbia.
1: Yeah, but go to Columbia.
0: We go to Columbia, and we meet our lead character, Mike Milch. Did you just
1: say our bleed character? Our
0: lead character. Well... Sure, we'll call him Bleed Character, because they are going to be a, a lot of bleeding and blood. And Let's just uh, call him Bleed Character. Our first lead Bleed Character.
1: Yes. Okay. Mike Milch.
0: So, Mike Milch. Um, he's an employee of Belco Industries, and this place is in Bogota, Colombia. Um, the one thing I don't like here is that I don't like how he's sitting in this car. Right? He's sitting in this car, and we get this kind of a weak jump scare moment where he's staring at this kid in this mask. I mean kind of a weak moment to start the film. Yeah,
1: it was one of those, like, what What did that have anything to do with the film? Like, that almost led you to believe at first that it was going to have something to do with those masks. Like, you figured that anything involving this movie at that point, with that first thought, was going to be something to do with, like, the Day of the Dead masks that this kid was wearing, that all these kids were wearing in the streets. But... Ultimately, didn't really lead to anything.
0: No, the whole mask thing kind of reminded me of like the first Purge or this or that movie, The Strangers, where they were all wearing this mask for the whole freaking yeah. movie. Yeah, it didn't go there. I felt, I felt like a wasted moment just for a jump scare or for somebody to knock on his window. You know, stupid, not necessary. That whole oh, exactly. right there was unnecessary. But that's when
1: we're introduced to
0: Mike, which I don't know why that's our introduction to him. But whatever. Well,
1: because he's waiting in trap. He- Good. You know, they usually end up doing something stupid like that when they're introducing the main character of a horror flick. You know, yeah, miss. introduced a little dumb throwaway moment, I suppose, but um. Dumb throwaway moment, but you know it was a decent little introduction, just showing you how busy the streets and are, what everything's like in like rural Bogota, B- 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 Colombia.
0: Yeah, basically showing you that they 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 they're working in this shithole of a country, essentially. Yeah. Um. So this leads us to all the cars going into work. Um, ...to this building in the middle of nowhere, essentially.
1: Yeah. And from here, we get to the point where... ...Mike notices that there are new, like, armed guards... ...that are at the gates.
0: Yeah, not the typical Colombian guards that are usually there every
1: day. They're checking for everyone for their badges... ...and then they're turning away all the local workers... See,
0: right then and there, I'd be a little skeptical, because you're already working in the middle of nowhere, working for a company that's, really, if you think about it, this company really has no identity. We don't really know what they do. They say they're a non-profit organization, well then, how do they make money?
1: Well, most non-profit organizations have some way of making money.
0: Exactly, so you're not technically a non-profit. Usually,
1: by, like, fundraiser, stuff like that, they end up making their money, but big companies like this, yeah, they're not going to make money through anything that they do that-wise, but there's always ways around it that they're going to end up making their well, money. They, yeah, they have
0: to. Yeah, they have to. But we never really get concrete reasons as to what this company does, so we're immediately we're already suspicious of who and what they are. Oh, yeah. Um. So, throughout this intro, we meet everybody while we're getting this Mexican song with the credits, getting to know everybody. Again, making the movie kind of campy fun. Yeah, I mean... St- decent little thing they had planned there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah well, it will make sense. They already know at this moment this movie is going to be exactly what it is. Campy, goofy fun. They already yeah. know it at this point. Um, So as we're introduced later on, um, Mike has this Brazilian girlfriend that we all kind of fond over watching this well, Watching yeah, this movie. I mean,
1: I mean, uh, spoiler alert, yes. Me and Mike are... Typical, stereotypical guys, and we're like, ha ah, that's a nice ass. Well, as you know, anytime you see a Brazilian woman in a film, it, they always look good. Stereotype. That's okay.
0: If that makes me a stereotype, then so fucking be it.
1: <laughs> yeah, true. Alright, so let's go on here. Okay. Alright, so we find out that those two are dating, yada, 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 and then we cut to another scene where... We have this one girl, this another girl that's coming in here. Her name's Danny. Um, it's her first day at the job. There, mm-hmm. she's talking to the guy, talking about how you know he's giving her the whole spiel about here's your company card, keys here's to her, apartment. here's the keys to the new apartment that the company's paying for, mm-hmm. the company car, all that. And then he asks her, you know, how did the visit to the doctors go
0: for the tracking
1: device that they implant in there? And components. you know he's going on about how. He's given the whole thing about how, you know, it makes sense, especially in that kind of an area where... Yeah, I mean, it's a legitimate reason. Human trafficking, kidnapping is a very high rate. Right. So they did it to be safe, so that way you're able to keep track of them no matter where they go, so that way they're able to find you.
0: Yeah, because kidnapping in Columbia is a very high percentage. So, um oh, one side note, too, we forgot to mention. um With the... The Brazilian woman uh, Leandra. We forgot that she has a old man stalker played by John C. McGinley from Scrubs fame.
1: From Scrubs fame. If any of you have seen the movie Con Air, he's been in that. Yep. He, he's actually been in quite a lot. If you people have, have really noticed.
0: And he plays a fucking creep in this movie that goes ape shit crazy.
1: Well, I mean, in the end, they all kind of do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But you kind of see his craziness already, kind of here with his obsession with um,
1: well, yeah, Leandra pretty early on. All right, so next we get into Mike going around, and then he notices how he notices that these guards are going into this airplane hangar yeah. that's off to the side of the building, and he messages uh, what's the guard's name again? Evan. Evan. He he messages Evan. And was asking him, you know, if he had heard anything about why the guards are there. And, you know, what the deal is with them going all into the hangar. And he's Evan was telling them that, uh, you know, they're all... He'll go take a look and see what's going on with that. Right, right. And then this leads us into...
0: The shutdown. The building starts collapsing. And we get the voice on the speaker basically saying... Oh, you have... Well... Feedback there. They get feedback in the building and they get an announcement saying that they're all part of an experiment, essentially. That the
1: 80 employees that are there that weren't uh, the local workers have, what was it, an eight hour time frame to kill had, everyone, essentially? They had, uh, they had... It was like an eight hour time frame. They yeah,
0: had... It was like two trying to think if it was um they had to kill eight people the first time they'd kill eight employees and if they didn't they would kill uh they would kill more it was the second time where it was kill 30 or, or, or we kill
1: 60 now I'm talking about how the whole goal of this was only one person was going to be coming out of this originally <sighs> that's what I think it was what they, we were told in the beginning,
0: no, we weren't told in the very beginning that it was one person, because that's why everybody in the building wasn't aware of what was going to happen. Because if they would all would have known that at the very beginning, they all would have known how everything was going to go, and everybody in the building thought they could all get out.
1: And so it ends up leading us into... We get uh, Danny and a group of other people going up to the rooftop.
0: That doesn't go well.
1: Which we end up seeing... You know, a couple of these potheads smoking out there. Got to throw in the traditional potheads into a horror movie. And that's when we realize. That's when we end up seeing what looks to be uh, this one person getting shot in the back of the head. It appears. Yes, it looks like gunshots. I think And then it's shot repeatedly by a done by a f- to a few people that are inside the building as well.
0: And they all go apeshit crazy, thinking there's a shooter in the lobby.
1: And that's when uh, our COO.
0: our COO, this guy is a bonafide badass who we later find out was special ops, which makes a whole lot of sense, mind you well, Um, of course his character is Barry Norris he's the COO of Belco and an ex-special forces soldier
1: yeah, and then so, he ends up walking over to uh, this one guy's dead body, and looks at the back of his head and realizes that that the wound that was there wasn't made from a gunshot. It wasn't made from a bullet. No.
0: No at all. It's these, it's from the implanted devices that we were... Well, we about don't know anything
1: about this. We don't know anything about this. Well, that. Well, until Mike thing. starts
0: feeling the back of his head.
1: And that's when Mike realized, had the realization that it was the tracking devices that mm-hmm. were put in their heads. Because uh, Barry had mentioned that, you know... It looked like the head had exploded from inside.
0: Right. Well, yeah, and this leads us to where Mike goes into the bathroom to try to cut and rip this thing out, which is a very
1: grotesque scene. maybe you cringe a bit. Make you cringe a bit, but I mean, it's oh, it's a good idea when you think about it to so mm-hmm. get oh, yeah. that out of them. And that's when you hear. That's when you realize that you know something's going on. That. He was that uh, the second that he went to go do that, he went to cut into his head and pull it out. We hear that voice come back on and mentions him specifically that, you know, hey, Mike Milch, you have 10 seconds to drop the knife and put your hands in the air, or, or we're going to set it. off the device.
0: Yeah, so now we know that these people are totally fucked and totally controlled
1: in a situation. And. After all that goes on, we get the, re- we start seeing the panic and everything set in. Yeah, literally,
0: people start tensions are rising. All that calm is completely gone at this point.
1: Which, by the way, if you pay attention, the first kill in this movie, other than people's heads randomly exploding, mm-hmm. was by Merle. Oh, good old Michael Rooker. He's the first
0: official death to happen, basically. He gets his skull smashed in by the whiny technician guy that's supposed to be his friend. Nice guy. Nice guy.
1: Well, the panic really set into him. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's an accident, but... It was just a matter of the panic and everything, and then Danny gets caught out by him because she was hiding underneath where the air vents were Uh because they had been shut off at the time, hit... uh, Rooker's character and the whiny brat ended up going uh, to try and fix it. Yep. After the panic had set in and he had smashed in uh, Merle's head, uh, he notices Danny trying to run away, Mm -hmm. goes to grab her and, you know, basically force her to shut up.
0: Shoves her against a wall, slamming the the wrench up against the and wall. And
1: then she props her feet up against the wall and pushes back to an effort to get him to let go. Pushes him right into a couple of spikes that were sticking out of the wall. Correct. Right into the back of his head.
0: Second death. So both our electrician guys go bye-bye within about two minutes of each other. But you know... <laughs> yeah. This sense of being, by the way, Danny's only, only kill, which ends up playing into a joke later on when the kills are announced, but we'll get into so, that. So
1: let's go on to the panic really starting to set in. We find out that they have two hours to kill thirty people. Thirty people and if they do not kill the thirty people within that two hour time limit sixty will be killed. Sixty will be killed. Correct. So this is
0: where the group starts to divide among themselves.
1: They split into two two groups. You get uh Barry, you get uh John C. McGinley's character.
0: Uh yeah, and you get that other guy that had that had the family that he took to um the, the on that trip or something that Mike talked to in the beginning. That guy. Then yeah. you get that brute looking big ass bearded guy who is a complete dick throughout this whole movie. That he's in that blue blue suit. Yeah, I yeah.
1: know what you're talking about. Yeah. But um so But you get all that going on and then it seems like they're starting to Gather people up. They're trying to get the keys from uh, Evan, our security guard. To get all the weapons out so they can take control of the situation. And Evan told them, pretty much, fuck you, I'm not doing that. Right.
0: Well, this leads the group into two groups. Mike leaves the one that wants no killing, while our COO, Barry, intends to follow the directions of the speaker. and so thinking
1: that old... Oh, help them get out
0: right to kill the 30 people because why should we lose 60 when we can only kill 30 but you know yeah, Mike, this
1: is when we find out you know that he was special forces trained
0: yeah because during the part where they're breaking everybody up um wendell goes up to goes up to him and says hey you know not all of us are uh not all of us are special forces here And, of course, that doesn't make Barry very happy because he's thinking, oh, what what is that trying to say? Is I'm showing favoritism to somebody or because I am special forces, I have special privilege? Well, in a sense, you kind of think that you do.
1: Yeah. So, uh, and then another thing that, while this is going on, we noticed that um, Barry's group had grabbed the torch that uh, Merle and Weiner had carried with them to try and melt uh, a hole through... These uh, metal walls that had uh, formed around the building to keep everyone in. Yeah, except it's not hot. It was cold. It Like, it was heat-resistant metal, and there was nothing being done to it at all. Mm-hmm. But that was missing from where that they were at, originally at the front of the office. Right. We It gets cut to a scene where we see them... Uh, John C. McGinley's character, Barry and the others uh, using the blowtorch to get into this uh, little cage. locker cage yeah. in order to get uh, weapons that were stored in there.
0: Which leads to our group, Mike and Evan and Adriana, this leads them to ask what's going on. We get Mike basically in a badass moment. We get Evan in a badass moment. Mike We, no, we get a Evans
1: in fight or flight mode here. And his inner gangster came out. Right. Well, until Mike took the gun. Until Mike got him to calm down. Yeah. Uh, McGinley's character turned the gas for the blowtorch back on, went back to work, and then we get Mike's badass moment where he takes the gun out and shoots the uh, canister. And
0: that makes none of them all too happy. And they basically say, that was damn foolish and that was a
1: big mistake. So everything leads to all this panic going on. Now that everything's starting to set, at realization that no, that something's not right here. Mm-hmm. Uh This leads to us getting our first real, somewhat
0: sad death, I guess. Okay. So at this point, at this point, this is where kind of the first act comes to an end. We get into the second act of things. So now at this point. How do you feel at this point, the pacing of this movie's going, and how things are
1: moving, are things going at the right pace? To me, I felt like this first part was going pretty slow. For everything that was concerned, I thought it was going pretty slow. And then, once it got to this next part into the film, it just felt like the pace just... Picked up quickly. Like it was nothing.
0: Yeah, a lot of of blood, a lot of gore, a lot of
1: action, a lot of everything at this point. Alright, so go on and tell everyone uh, what happened next. Okay, so, with the group now
0: armed, Barry basically orders everybody into the main room and he's going to start picking people out by by age and if they have kids well, under 18. Well, and...
1: mind, you, mind you, this was after Evan was had thrown the keys down after McGinley's character had demanded the keys from him. Oh, that's
0: true, and he kills him, correct. Yes, I forgot about that part. And
1: McGinley's character had stabbed him right in the gut. Poor Uh Which was sad, because he was a good character. I liked him. I did too. But you knew it was going to happen eventually. Well, yeah. And then, so they got the keys, they were able to get into the cage, and they mm-hmm. each got their guns, and uh, a round of each... Uh, round of each... A uh, magazine of bullets for each of them. Mm-hmm. Everyone except for Barry, who had got gotten everything else because right well he was the COO he was in charge he can do whatever the fuck he he wants he took
0: control of everything so he's dividing these groups up by uh, people with younger kids than 18 60 year olds and he realizes once he does all this it's only amounting to 7 people so he knows this is not going to work so he has to start basically picking people at random based upon who he thinks should die real nice right and of course one of the people he picks is of course Mike because Mike is the guy that rallies against him yeah we knew that was coming a mile
1: away and my original thought with this was, you know, uh, maybe he's picking people out to uh, join him and be part of the people that are still going to be alive. And that's when, you know, you quickly realize that that was, that was not the case. No,
0: no, no. No, he wants to line these people up to kill them one by one, assassination
1: style, you know. Um, just to get the 30 out of the way there. Well, that doesn't end up working very well. Because when he goes to, or actually when... uh. Mike's friend, the was it British or Aussie sounding guy? Forget which one he is. Yeah, that's the guy Terry? we talked
0: about with um, the family that he went on yeah, the trip with. Yeah, I
1: think with. his name
0: was Terry. Oh, one way to find out. We could find that out.
1: Um, but yeah, uh, right when his character is about to uh, shoot Mike, the lights the. Uh, forget who, I want to say it was Danny and another uh, person flipped all the switches to the lights Mm -hmm. and all the lights in the building had gone out. So, You were right, Terry Winters. What we end up getting is a complete meltdown of everyone trying to overrun them and just escape and get away from them. Right, which allows the, the shooters to go stir crazy just shooting everything that moves. And which leads us to Leandra getting um, going into her office, grabbing the paper cutter—you know those old-style paper cutters that have the like big machete almost at the end of it. Mm-hmm. So she gets the idea to go all Punisher style and take the machete, the blade off of that, and you know take out the next person that walked into that office, which but, happened to be Terry. Which happened to be Terry, and at that point, we find out that there were 29 people that have been killed so far in that two-hour time limit, and there were two minutes left. Yep. So, and... when Terry goes into the office, he noticed what looked like Leandra's shoe sticking out, so he walks right by her as she's hiding under a desk, and she whew. takes the blade, whacks it right into her, his knee... Falls to the ground, drops the gun. He goes to grab the gun, and she smashes it down into his arm. And then it looks like she's about to kill him. Terry is essentially pleading for his life here at this point. Mm -hmm. And it makes you think that we're about to see the 30th one here and be able to hopefully take care of all of this, end this all. And that's when she just like, no, I'm not going to hurt you, and drops the blade which costs the group because that would have been the last
0: death, and that allows... Which,
1: essentially, she was the reason that 31 more people had just died. Basically,
0: because Terry did kind of deserve to die, considering he was shooting people and shit and was going to kill her. I, if it would have been me, I
1: would have just killed him. Although, I mean, then result would have mattered, but he was killing people. Then again, to be fair, do you think you really would have it in you to actually kill someone? <laughs> Even in that kind of a situation, do you think you'd really have it in you to kill someone unless you were so far gone? It's hard to know, because
0: in the moment, you never know in situations. Right now, I could tell you probably know. But in the moment like that, who
1: like knows? it would be a completely different situation right. when you're actually in put into that point. True. But, yeah, so we start seeing everyone starting to get killed slowly but surely, because it cuts back to... A shot of inside the hangar here, and what looks like all eighty employees' names that were on this little switchboard with lights next to them. Mm-hmm. And whenever this guy flipped the switch, that's when the head would explode. The head would explode right. for that person.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So we start seeing everyone slowly but surely getting killed here. Which drops us down to our last 20 people. Which
0: is by far the bloodiest sequence in this whole movie. Blood is just exploding everywhere, going all over people, walls, staircases, office buildings, cubicles. Exactly. You name it at this point. right After this sequence is over, I think literally... Hey, we have about 20, 25 well, people of course, left?
1: Yeah, we have 20 people left. Yeah. Because 60 people were going to be dead by this point.
0: Which, at this point, this leads to the speaker box telling everybody this is the, this is the Rumble Rundown. Whoever kills the most people... Essentially, you who has the
1: most deaths... Who has the most kills at the end of this next uh, two hours will be able to leave here alive. Right. And so they start announcing how many everyone has. Barry, of course, had the most with 11... Of course he did. McGinley's character had seven at that point. And then they start running down the list, and then you know, we see Danny and her uh, newfound gay friend uh, hugging in the elevator trying to stay safe,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's when you hear Danny's name being announced with one, and he, you just get the funny moment of him just slowly letting go and going over to his own corner... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean it's little stupid moments like that well, that just kind of make you laugh.
0: Yeah, I mean you, you you this is again this is this is the movie's moments of throwing little bits of tiny bits of humor in. But all right, chaos. so go on to the next part here. Okay, so after this sequence, um, and people will start racking up kills, this is when you know McGinley's character and everybody else just starts going ape shit with the knives and the guns and shooting people. Um this leads to... As we'll accelerate a little bit here.
1: Yeah, this little bit further into the film, this leads us to where McGinley's character gets killed by Leandra
0: mm-hmm.
1: in a justified moment, which I am very happy about.
0: Yeah, this showdown had to happen. Of course, you know, his perverted ways had to have been put to a stop by her. and there like, had was, to, be the had yelling to yelling have it. been
1: something involving those two at the end at some point in this right. film.
0: And boy, does she give it to him good. How did that happen again? Axe to the face. Smash, smash, smash. I'll tell you. Axe is not good for the body, ladies and gentlemen. I wouldn't use that axe, axe body spray. It kills.
1: I still think you're fucking stupid for that one. <laughs> uh, but go on. What, does, what else does this lead us into here?
0: Um, okay, so after she smashes his head, um, she calls down to Mike to come down and meet her down on the lobby level. Um, this, unfortunately, goes bad. Because by the time he gets down there, we have the other guy with the Molotovs throwing them. And Barry's shooting, which one bullet ends up hitting Adriana.
1: And Deandra even. Yeah, DeAndre, sorry. And she dies. Which is unfortunate, but, you know, it's going to happen. You know it is. There's no such thing as an actual love story making making it happen in a fucking horror Oh, film. hell no. Hell people no. actually think that's true, get a fucking clue. Um, Not going to happen in this case. But... You know, this leads us into the final sequence of, essentially, the last two people being alive are... Mike and Barry. Mike and Barry.
0: Yeah, this leads to a pretty big showdown in a room um, with a kind of a funny office projector that we see in office movies all the time. And it's a big showdown that literally leads to Mike beating the shit out of Barry in the head with a tape dispenser. Yes, you heard me right. Barry dies by getting his head smashed in by a tape dispenser.
1: So, all the metal platings had come down after that point. Yep. Barry was let out of there by... Mike was let out of there, not Barry. But you know what I mean. Fuck you. (laughs) Mike was let out of there by uh, the couple of the soldiers. Mm -hmm. We see him looking like he's either fighting or stumbling to get away from them, or just out of sheer exhaustion. Which we find at out in a point. moment
0: what what he actually was doing.
1: Uh and he gets led into this hangar finally, which We meet we the voice. We finally get to see the character of the voice. Correct. Who who introduces himself as like this scientist
0: running this Mind expe- you, it's, experiment? Not
1: only this, not, not really a scientist, but a social like experience a socialist experimenter I'm fucking sick is what it is it, to it that's when you really get the point like the where the whole Belco experiment part comes in right because this is on experiment to see how people would react when they're thrown into unconventional situations like this Well the
0: biggest questions he was asking Mike was to test his emotional state and how he was feeling about this
1: how he was feeling after it was done.
0: And um, and
1: that's when Mike is going out talking about to him about this. You've been watching us the whole time, and Mike sees and the, all the switches of all the people's. Yeah, Mike has seen all the switches. At everyone that uh, that's when he put the two together and realized that that was how they were getting their heads exploded. Mm-hmm. And that's when he brings up the fact, like you know, how everyone how they've been watching them the whole time, then did you see me pick up the bombs?
0: Yeah, the bombs that were on the floor that the stoner guy was picking out of everybody to try to blow up the door. Yeah,
1: because he was, grabbed the handful that were there and that's when we see the little cut to from what he was doing there. Every time he was grabbing someone like the guards... Or he was stumbling. Or he was stumbling yeah. around, he was sticking another one of those little bombs onto each of them. In each of their pockets. Yeah. And that's when you see him jump up right to the uh, lightboard and starts flitching, flipping all the switches. Killing everybody he put the thing in.
0: Well, not necessarily killing them, but depending well, on where he put them at. Right. Injuring them to basically bleed out. Essentially. But Which leads to the voice being on the ground. Mike points a gun at his head and the voice says, oh, you know, you get it. You know, life is precious. Blah, 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 you know, blah. blah.
1: We, know, we know you. You're you value life as sacred, right? Yeah, and that's when you see him with the assault rifle, just unload the entire clip into, into the ass. guy's head, which leads to Mike walking out of the hangar, dropping the gun, and just essentially staring up into the sky, and which cuts into a pan out of all these other different video cameras, yes, that are showing the different Belco buildings around the globe with the various people that have been walking out. So clearly, obviously, this is setting up for a, a sequel, sequel at which, some point because these are all the winners, quote-unquote, of... Which I'll give you some details on this. I can found some
0: information on this. Oh, and the final line of the movie is, stage one is complete, commence stage two before we go to credits.
1: Exactly. So we, there's going to be a sequel.
0: Okay, so I was just going to ask you that question. It leaves open, you know, the interpretation for sequels. There's
1: I... no interpretation. That was a clear cut. There's going to be a sequel. Now,
0: now, now, tell me something. If it were you, where do you think the sequel goes next? Before I explain some of this, of what's possibly coming.
1: Uh, obviously, it's going to have the winners of the various experiments. Right, of course. That are going to be grouped together in this one building. Probably somewhere, I would say, in, like, D.C., or somewhere the government's actually more located at. Mm-hmm. I think it would make the most sense, like, have it in a rural area, somewhere in that D.C. area, and have all the winners transported there. Right. Right.
0: I agree with that, and I'm, I'm really on the same page with you on this. Now, I've I found two articles here, and I want to kind of read this off to people, because we, we, you and I can talk about this after I read this. So the first thing is, this article is called The Belco Experiment's Ending Explained. Okay, the first part of the article says, what is the experiment? Okay, so this is what the article says. It says, as becomes quickly apparent in the movie, Belco's true purpose is to serve as the setting for an incredibly deadly psychological experiment. Okay. As the film's climax, we finally get a semblance of an explanation, a bit of brief one. The voice reveals he is part of an international organization made up of the greatest thinkers and scientists in the world. The case appears to be, as Sean Gunn's, Marty's um, whole angle on this, is to examine how different people react under pressure. Okay, the cast of the film expands all ages and seems to have a range of backgrounds. So therefore, it allows that throughout this experiment, they wanted many different types of people to see how each one reacted based on their you know, um, about their origins, where they, where they come from, whether they're Spanish, French, American, whatever yeah. they are. So it finally goes into this bit. What is stage two? Um, it's hinting that there's a grand conspiracy or a government coalition through the Buildings Design and International Corporation at the film's core. So basically what they're trying to tell you is, is that it's a new world order trying to decide basically who deserves to live and who deserves to die in this new order, basically for population control. So essentially, Purge. In a way. But it turns it more into a social experiment instead, just to basically test if you belong in the world or not. Purge was essentially made into a social experiment as well, though. In, in a sense, yes. In a sense, you're right.
1: essentially, the whole idea behind Purge was the government's way of controlling population, getting rid of some of the lesser 99%.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's something, I, I, I agree, there is similarities, similarities to The Purge, It's just done in a separate way, but at the end of this article, um, there's a website called Arrow in the Head where this guy did a sit-down interview with James Gunn, and he was asked, you know, to discuss the film and whether there were chances of a sequel. And James Gunn said he'd already been planning for it. He's quoted by saying, I have it all in my head. I've got the next two in my head. If people want the sequel, I will give them the sequel. So if all
1: goes well, we might have a Belko trilogy to look forward to. Which I'd look forward to. I'm almost certain there's going to be a sequel coming out. I think
0: there has to be, because this movie's ve- left very open-ended, because if we want to discover more about who the Belko you know, industry is and why they're doing this. Because right now, a lot of this is speculation about what they're doing. People are speculating of what it could be versus what we, we know what to be.
1: Alright, so... I want to hear your thoughts on this, Mike. What were your thoughts about this movie? Um, you, What did this movie really remind you of? Um, did it, Like, did it have any similarities to any other horror flicks? Did it have anything unique to it? Like, I want to hear what your input is. Well, I agreed with you with the similarities with The Purge. There are some Purge
0: things here. Um, I don't know if I'd really compare it to too many other movies because there's not many movies that will do something like this. There's been movies in contained spaces of course and stuff like that. But I enjoyed this movie because I'm a fan of these smaller scale movies that basically are more psychological and have a lot to do with getting to know the human emotions in a movie and we get to basically see humans at their best and their worst. So so this movie is a very... It's a very fun movie. It's a fun movie. I'm I'm not going to sit here and overanalyze it and take it seriously, because it's not meant to be like that. It's supposed to be a fun movie. Oh, yeah, of course. I
1: mean, it's not supposed to be, but then again... All right, so... That's essentially what you think. Like, like it doesn't really remind you of anything too much, but it has different similarities to movies like The Purge.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't see similarities to The Purge. What about
1: you? All right, so... Me, personally... Yeah, like I said, there are elements here. This does feel sort of unique. Yeah, I mean, there are elements here from, like I was saying, like the purge, where this whole big social experiment, like you were mentioning about human population control, and that there were, they had it, and then there was another. There were other similarities that really fucked with your head, and the fact that it was designed to really show you what humans. Are capable of doing when they are put under such severe stress like that, like, what would they do? Right. It reminds me of another movie um, that I want you to take a look at sometime called Cube. Okay. Okay. It's another really good psychological horror movie. I think you would really like it a lot. Okay. The reason why I ask you this, though, Mike, is because... This leads into what I was talking to you about uh, what we were originally trying to do last week. This is the announcement I was going to make. Cool, yeah. At least you know, this uh, is a this big announcement. Is, uh, I was planning on making a little announcement. I was going to do something over Facebook, but might as well get this out of the way now. Sure. Um, the announcement I was going to make is that, you know, how you guys may have noticed in the last podcast it was done with Mike just separately, how you right. did, uh, you know, the Jumanji review. Correct. And how he's planning on doing his own little reviews while me and him are waiting to figure out another film to do Uh well i figured that i'm going to be doing the same exact thing it may not be like all the time obviously but it's going to be done over here when i'm hanging out with mike or if i can get the setup done at my own place what i'm planning on doing is following a specific genre and i'm going to be doing a horror genre cool that I cool. want to start going more and more in depth and follow, and uh, cover all the different horror films that are out there, like going all the way from like the old school Texas Chainsaw Massacres to like these very very psychological mindfuck movies. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I want, and it's going to be obviously Jason's horror corner, um, mm-hmm. but I want you all to please give me any suggestions as to yeah, please what do. you would like me to go ahead and cover next. Because uh, next, this is why I mentioned this to Mike, the next one I'm going to be doing for my first own uh, solo review is going to be Cube. Cool, cool. And I'm going to watch that too myself, so I'll be able to kind of I'll
0: listen to your review more so by seeing it, so I'll be in the room listening so that I'll understand it better too. Um, so he'll be doing his Horror Corners. The reviews I'll be doing by myself will basically be... Um, any movie any movie that you see in the theater that's currently out there, yeah. I'll be doing some movies that are more, you know, currently in theaters uh, whatever they may be um, and then he'll do the horror movies so therefore we'll be doing kind of two separate two Well, separate mind things. you,
1: I'm also going to be doing my best to cover like the ones that are in theaters yeah. too, oh, yeah. But, yeah. like my main focus is obviously going to be, you know, more like the horror aspect of Movie filming, so I might end up delving into like the suspense and the thriller stuff, like like the Alfred Hitchcock style movies too, Mm, mm -hmm. like those big suspenseful thriller style movies as well. Right, like those are ones that I want to heavily get into. That's why it covers a broad aspect of that entire like darker area of Hollywood that you don't really see much. Mm -hmm. You know, and you're going to be covering more of like what you'd see from like the typical A-list celebrity movies that you're going to right movies seeing. that
0: the general audience is seeing in the theater.
1: Yeah. Which I have no problem doing li- with us doing this because it covers a wide variety of movies as we're working on our main projects together as well. So right. like I said, I want you guys to please, please, please give us your uh, requests for what you'd like each of us to do
0: yes please get some requests in there especially for ours both of ours too because we haven't really been getting anything yet so we really need those to keep this going full speed ahead so therefore we know what you guys
1: want to hear not just what we want to do all the time but so in light of that what i'm going to tell you guys now is that this is going to be the end of this podcast now so uh any last words for you mike
0: um real quick yeah just one little blurb at the end um Since we're doing this show right after the Super Bowl, I wanted to just ask your opinions on what you thought of some of the Super Bowl movie spots coming
1: up. The Solo movie. Solo.
0: Yeah, I think we're all excited for Han Solo. Um, I don't know how everybody's thinking. I know I've heard some, you know, different things. Oh, he doesn't sound like Han Solo, this and that. The movie looks great. Personally, I think it
1: works fine because it's not supposed to be sounding exactly like Han Solo. It's supposed to be Han when he was a lot younger. Before he was Han Solo, we know. Yeah, it's supposed to lead into everything, and we're supposed to finally see this fabled Kessel Run. About
0: fucking time. It's about fucking time. All we hear about is the Kessel Run, all it was done in
1: 12 par sets. Let's see the fucking thing. Let's see it. Uh, Any other movie spots that you noticed that seemed interesting to you? Um,
0: Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom is looking good, of course. It's Jurassic World.
1: I, personally, I'm growing into a big fan of Chris Pratt. Oh, yeah. I did not really like him at first, and then after watching Guardians of the Galaxy, it kind of started getting me to watch his films more, ever mm-hmm. watch more of what he's done. I, I seem like this is going to be a great film. He seems to have really improved, I think. Mm-hmm. So we'll see where he can only go from here. And then uh, the last movie, there were a lot of others, but the other movie of, of notable...
0: Um value here is um the trailer for mission impossible
1: fallout i'm not okay with that what's wrong with it i personally think that anything involving the mission impossible franchise should have ended a long time ago like after mi3 that should have just been it
0: each movie has gotten better
1: i do not care i think that at this point this is such a long and worn drawn out franchise that they need to go ahead and just let it die. They need to be like... It needs to be Old Yeller. We need to be the kid with the shotgun that takes him out to the barn and shoots it down.
0: Well, then, if we're going to say that about Mission Impossible,
1: shouldn't we have said that about James Bond a long time ago? Exactly. Here's the biggest thing, though, about uh, James Bond, though. They've rebooted the franchise a couple of times. And not to... So they they have a new James Bond, at least it's still who are we still getting for Mission Impossible Tom fucking Cruz hey the man does his own stunts and he does them for real he doesn't green screen that shit I I whatever I don't care I just I'm really starting to get sick of the Mission Impossible movies oh well, fair game I think they keep continuing to get
0: better and you know they keep making money so the fans are still there and they will not stop until they tank which they're not there yet people please make this movie tank don't make it tank don't make it tank. Tom Cruise is coming to an end. At least you know let the series
1: fix, you know finish with some strong dignity. Don't let it die. Please let it be before Tom Cruise breaks a hip because it's probably going to happen well, if he that tries might to make true. another Tom movie. Cruise
0: is not far from doing something to kill
1: himself. But you know, whatever. But all right. On that note, since we're getting getting into our little spat here about the fact that I think Mission Impossible should have died out a long time ago. Never. Um, fuck you. Never. Uh. I am Jason Kaposik, and this is Mike Winkler. This has been Lights, Camera, Action, the Movie Podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, that's a wrap. Yeah, we'll see you on the next
0: one. Whatever it may be, please, please request stuff. Stage one, commence.
1: His head exploded from the inside. What?
0: When we start working here, the tracer's still in the back of our heads. You must not remove the tag from your body. Follow
1: our directives, or we will detonate the explosive. Begin. That ain't melted at all.
0: Do you know what kind of metal this is? I
1: don't really know. We need to discuss all our options. We do
0: not have the right to take innocent human
1: lives. What are you doing? My wife and kids need me. Stage two. Commence. We don't need no more weapons. We need to work together to get the hell out of here. Don't fucking move!
0: In two minutes, we want 30 of you dead. If 30 of you are not dead, we will end 60 of your lives ourselves. 5 4
1: Day, people are out for themselves.